Hey, Colin, happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday to you. And thank you for the ISBN number for Tim. I wrote it down. It's on a piece of paper. When he gets home, I'll give it to him. See you later. Have a great weekend and enjoy that birthday cake. Hello, I'm Colin Green and you are listening to Spike Pit, episode 108. Hey Colin, happy birthday my man. I hope you have a fantastic birthday and get more gaming stuff. And You always have to get more dice on your birthday. I think that's mandatory if you're a gamer. And uh, thank you so much for the suggestion. I do believe I had that book at one time. I don't have it anymore, but I'm glad you brought it up because I might go out and grab it again. Uh, so have a fantastic birthday again, Colin, and keep on casting, my man. And it's a twofer there from Tim and Ivy, or as I like to call them, Happy Manor. I know it's not correct, but that's how I like to think of it. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for the birthday wishes. And Tim is talking about the Robin Hood book from Iron Crown Enterprises. Came out in the 80s. And, uh, yeah, the kids got me it for my birthday. Thoroughly enjoying looking through it. I haven't read it all yet, but I'm well on my way. My plan with that book is to actually run a uh, rogue campaign. I'm thinking to use the... BX Rogue variant rules that Gavin Norman put out quite a few years back. I know his thinking on rogues has changed now and he's, he's kind of hewing a lot closer to the rules as written. Uh, but um, I quite like the idea, idea of it. There's like um, a talents kind of skill system. And whilst I'm, I'm not super into non-weapon proficiencies and skills and some of the uh, some of the crunchiness that can go along with that style of play in a a purely rogues campaign I, I can just see it working pretty well but if you want to look at those rules they're I think a couple of bucks up on drive through and that's by Gavin Norman the BX Rogue Hi, Colin. This is Joe Salvador. Just wishing you a happy, happy birthday, man. I hope you um, were able to spend lots of time with your friends and family and had a great day. Hope you got all your uh, birthday wishes coming true. All the best, man. Cheers. Great to hear from you, Joe. And listen, man, thanks a lot for your kind birthday present. Joe has uh, sent me a copy of his Eldritch Tales. It's a white box Lovecraftian RPG. The reason I'm excited about Eldritch Tales in particular is because I read quite a lot of systems and and try and get new games to the table. But this this is like I don't have to learn a totally new game. And as as my head gets more and more full of rules, the uh, the idea of having a game with a certain familiarity built into it is is music to my ears. And having played Ray Otis's Books and Bullets recently, I've got an, I've got a little bit of a Cthulhu thing going on in my mind. We've got a new player who likes Call of Cthulhu, 
from back in the day. He, he's a fan. He, he plays Cthulhu board games, RPGs, and he's pretty much into all things Cthulhu. So I think, you know, Eldritch Tales, with its Lovecraftian themes, is potentially going to go down a storm. The other thing, I've been thinking about fear and kind of panic in games a little bit. I've um, sp- spoke with a few of the guys on the Audio Dungeon Discord ab- about this subject, and you know, there's been quite a few ideas knocking about. And uh, it will be interesting when I get to read Joe's design how his game deals with that. And hopefully, I'll be able to take some of that and bring that into sort of my, my fantasy games, my current. Um, basic fantasy and perhaps into bx as well so that when i'm not playing eldritch tales i can still keep some of that that horror vibe going in my fantasy games because i do i do like that i like that tension in a game and um fear and panic and stuff like that it for me that's a a way to get that that tension so once i've had a play and uh read it thoroughly Expect to hear some more from me on the subject. So, once again, Joe Salvador, Raven God Games. Thanks a lot, man. Hi, Colin. It's Winston. I was calling to say happy birthday and congratulations on reaching the centennial mark. That's fantastic. I'm continuing to enjoy your thoughts on the basic fantasy uh, series of books and your other adventures in gaming, especially your adventures in family gaming with the kids that's really uh that's really something rare and uh I'm very happy for you man so uh congratulations and game on Hey Colin sounds like you have a good experimental game coming up between you and the Hobster with that uh, basic fantasy setup uh, but on the subject of games and music I have one uh game master that plays music and he always cues it up whenever there's a big bad or something involved that tends to amplify things and we know something's going on. I've got another DM that runs and he almost always has it playing in the background as some sort of mood music and quite honestly it kind of takes away from the game and you either try to ignore it or it gets on your nerves. So I think it works better used occasionally. Anyway, enjoy, really enjoying your anchor cast. Keep it up. Winston and Larry there, thanks for calling in guys, basically brings me on to what I want to talk about in the main today and that is my basic fantasy game, listeners to Jason Hobbs, Hobbs and Friends or on Random Screed, he's been talking about this experimental game that we're doing, we're taking the basic fantasy RPG game materials and kind of putting them through their paces. He's doing his online game. I'm running my face-to-face, and uh, just played session two. And, man, that didn't go very well, guys. So, firstly, I got hit with a bit of a curveball. Carl, our newest player, he turned up. He looked like death warmed up and was reporting that he was feeling pretty ill. He he had a... a real bad cough and to me sounded like he might have picked up a bit of a chest chest infection since last time playing. Um, unfortunately, this meant he bailed out of the game at uh, about the 
hour, hour and a half mark. And um, things kind of went downhill from there, actually. Arfed had turned up. He's, uh, he basically had a, a rough day at work. He wasn't on form, a little bit worn out and uh, a little bit flat. So kind of two of the veteran players were a little bit out of the out of the picture there. My Budski Ricky was hanging in there. He, he seemed to weather the storm pretty well. Sonny weren't on form. And uh, yeah, Luca was just Luca, really, just chugging along. But we were definitely not firing on all cylinders. At the back of my mind, I didn't know whether to pull the plug on the session or not. I didn't want to carry on too far with Carl being out of the mix. Didn't want him really to miss the story. But... Probably this was where I went wrong. I decided to uh, soldier on and finish up the session. In hindsight, that may have been the wrong call. It's funny, really, how these things uh, can affect the dynamics of the group. Just one player going down and then you get almost this domino effect. It's not something I've, I've had to deal with much. I'm quite prepared for the scenario where you just start off with a player down and I've kind of got a sort of plans in my mind should you kind of gain a player but to lose one halfway through uh, I just wasn't mentally prepared for and I don't know why but it won't happen to me again in the future I think I think I'll probably just stop I think I'll probably just go with stopping the session uh, but then you see I don't know so I'm clearly going to have to give this some more thought. Anyway, it wasn't disastrous. We had some good moments. The characters had moved into an octagonal, a large octagonal chamber, and there was sort of eight exits from the room. One they'd come in through, and then another one that was like a obviously a fairly important exit. Then it was a matter of exploring some of these other doorways. However, we had another character fatality. A uh, trap was set off by Arfed. Uh, it was this um, kind of lightning trap that just fried him. It was... Um, I toned it down slightly from how how it was written in, in the adventure. But it was, it was still enough. Dice rolled out in the open. It was pretty spectacular. But um, I think he'd grown... A little bit as a player, I think he'd grown a little bit frustrated with the the pace of the party, and they'd been they'd been fairly um, cautious up to this point, and he kind of rushed into a room without the necessary <laughs> precautions being taken, and on this occasion, it was it was just the wrong place at the wrong time, some bad rolling, and. Yep, end of Elf. So we bid farewell to Rakim, and his character is going to be replaced with a cleric. Now, in between sessions, I try and communicate with the characters. So I sent Arfed a message to get some, some idea, asking him the questions to get some idea of how we're going to work his new character into the, into the adventure. I don't want him just to pop out of nowhere. We haven't got any hirelings that he can take the 
take the place of. So I want to get him back into the adventure ASAP. And um, yeah, I want some player engagement from Arfed. So we sat and talked about that a little bit. Also sent out a message to uh, Carl and Ricky to get some sort of storylines and some little sort of side plots going with their characters. And uh, before tomorrow, I'll have a chat with Sonny and Luca about, you know, what's going on in the minds of their characters. This is something I like to do. It'll be interesting to see, um, and I'll have to speak to Jason Hobbs and see how he gets player investment with um, with his guys playing in his game. Um, I think he was running a session last Thursday, so I haven't heard an update on that. But um, yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll get our heads together. Talking to Jason Hobbs, in contrast to his style, I'm finding I, I actually do very little prep. I noticed Jason had put up a Roll20 map that he'd done of the castle at Morgansfort, which is one of the key locations in the Western Lands campaign. And I realised I'd done a quick um, player's version of that map and, and stuck it in a file, but not running on Roll20, I haven't got any of that, that side of the uh, prep to do. Um, so really, I'm running pretty much straight out of the... Um, the books with a few notes scrawled in there. There's like um, there's a wilderness map in there with a few encounter locations, and I'm I haven't decided what's going to go where exactly. There's probably getting on for a dozen adventures that I'm knocking around in my mind, but I want to see how the character stories develop over coming weeks i've got this emergent adventure kind of idea where i like to get big player buy-in with the narrative we've got a little bit of a story bubbling up around the owner of the caravan that was raided that was the reason given by the players for them being on the adventure in the first place we've got this a party of rumored to be orcs have followed the party into the tomb and we've had some uh, some um, action going on in the tomb with these orcs. So we're going to see how, how that comes out. But the players were headed for Morgan's Fort. Don't know whether they're going to continue to, Morgan, to Morgan's Fort or whether they're just going to go deeper and deeper into this tomb whether they're going to go back the way they came. So I'm leaving the choices open to the players. I want to run this sandbox style. And yeah, I'm loving this emergent play. And it does save me this prep. I don't, like I said before, I don't want to invest too much preparation and time into something that may not happen. This is the beauty of having the pre-prepared scenarios. I just need to read through them, familiarise myself with them, swap out a couple of things, but really they're all there. I haven't got lengthy map making to do, I haven't got lengthy planning of plot lines, um, it's just literally a few notes scribbled in a few of the, the products to tie it all together and away you go. So really enjoying it. And uh, Larry's point 
about music. Uh, the music is working out okay. I'm just using it as an intro and kind of a bit of an outro and maybe an interval. The last thing is, is I want it sort of, I don't want that music blasting on in the background, distracting people. So yeah, entirely agree with Larry. That can be a bit annoying when it's like that. Continuing a little bit with my thoughts on preparation. One thing I have been looking at again is Mike Shea, uh, aka Sly Flourish and his Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master. It's a project that I kickstarted, one of the few kickstarters I've ever done. I really enjoy Mike's work. Uh, I've got his fantastic locations and fantastic adventures. I've got the original Lazy Dungeon Master and I've got now the Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master and the DM's Workbook. All of them are really valued resources for me. And when it comes to preparation, one of the, the best bits of advice I've picked up in there is about getting a strong start to a session. He talks about you you can't control a lot in a session without you know really leaning heavily on the players but you've always got control of how you start the session so really you know there's your chance to make it it count and it it doesn't take a lot just think you know how can i get a really good start to the session jot jot down a little note and i find if I've got that, it it kind of, the rest of the session runs better for it. The other thing he is a big advocate of is having these things called uh, secrets and, and clues. And what you do is before the session, you just write down 10 secrets and clues. And they're things that you can bring up at any time, anywhere you feel appropriate during the session, these little tidbits of information to feed to the players. And an important part of the technique is at the end of the session, if these secrets or clues haven't come to light, you throw them away. They're gone. You don't, you don't write them down. You don't record them. Only if they come to pass. So you don't build up this burden of little notes and secrets that you carry from one session to the next if it's a particularly good secret what he says is you'll just remember that and you can add that in again for the next session but don't burden yourself with all these little secrets that you're trying to carry on and on and on so i'm trying to be strict with that in the past i have written them down and tried to carry them over and yeah, it totally, it's totally true. You just get bogged down with it all, trying to make it happen, and it's just not worth it. So I like to pair these secrets and clues with my ongoing sort of player investment strategy that I just talked about. Sometimes I like to have secrets that are particularly relevant to one player, or maybe the whole group, or an NPC, or whatever, but I, I, I sprinkle them through the adventure and and they really do work they kind of bring the world to life the other thing i like to think about between sessions 
is this idea of fronts. This is uh, a dungeon world kind of uh, concept, comes over from dungeon world. It's something that Mike Shea is an advocate of in his lazy dungeon master technique. And the idea is that you've got this living world that's going on and regardless if, if the characters react and engage with the front, something happens. And if they don't, something still happens. And between sessions, you just maybe think up or before, before you start the adventure or the campaign, you have in your mind perhaps three of these fronts. And then you've just got a few bullet point ideas of how these things might, uh, these fronts might progress. And you, you know, you use your your imagination to sort of think, well, how would this, the fact that the characters have gone this way, how would this front react? How would that front react? And and, and that's probably the bulk of my preparation and, uh, and my thoughts are taken up with that between games. And doing a similar thing with NPCs that might be, involved with the fronts or not involved with the fronts. I tend to tie them in because then that saves me a bit of work. If one of my fronts is really NPC related, the front and you know the, the villain's ideas are closely tied and I haven't got to think up a, a whole lot of other stuff. So he, he suggests about three of these fronts. So with the fronts and the secrets, plus your general outline of the uh, the campaign, you've got quite a lot going on narratively. And hopefully the players are invested and they're developing their stories at the same time. And then you've got the group story as well. So it, in, in, even in, you know, like we're only two sessions in, it's already getting quite rich. And uh, yeah, that's 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 how I do it. That's the most of my prep taken care of. Once again, I find myself the time slipping away. There's some more I want to talk about Sly Flourish and the Lazy DM technique, but I'm going to leave it to another episode along with some more call-ins that I've got. Uh, hopefully I can tie all that together in the next couple of days. I also want to touch briefly on my series to do with Mensa Companion. I would have liked to have progressed that more by now. I've had a couple of call-ins, but I haven't had a massively enthusiastic response, so it's got pushed to the back of the queue because of the whole experiment with basic fantasy, and I'm happy with that. I don't want to do something with Companion without playing and and testing some of the ideas and currently that's just not happening so I I apologise to anybody that was looking forward to to that but man that is officially on hold at this point but I do want to get back to it because I think there's some good stuff there. Thanks everybody who's called in, take care and I'll catch you later. But. Before I go, at the end, we're going to hear from the man himself. He's left me a birthday message, and I thank you for that, Jace.
Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Spike Pitt. Happy birthday to you. Yeah, buddy. Happy birthday.